everyone and thanks for joining us. I, there's a, a, a fat dozen number of people here on the actual Zoom and more and more I'm getting input that people are indeed listening live at Cortez Community Radio 89.5 FM CKTZ on our dial. Thank you so much Community Radio for being with us always and especially in these times. I'm Noba Anderson. I'm your elected regional di director to the regional district, the Strathcona Regional District from Cortez. And this is the fifth in a series of public uh, Zoom meetings in this rare time of COVID. So we can find a way of continuing to come together and offering each other updates and learning, learning information. Uh, so today's call, as Aton uh, began to share, has three components. We have a, a guest with us from BC Residential Tenancy, which is fantastic to answer your questions directly, and she's here as long as is needed. So I invite anyone who is listening on the radio um, to please, she, she'll be here at the very beginning and not for necessarily very long, if there aren't that very many questions. So if you have questions, please, please either phone the radio at 250-935-0200, I do believe is the number. Um, or there's a phone number that you can phone in directly and participate in this Zoom call by phone. Aton, do you have that handy? Well, I know I don't. Okay, um. <laughs> I, I, will, uh, I will look it up. So the the dial-in number is 778-907. Uh, 2071 and then you have to put in the uh, meeting ID which is uh, 577-998-404. Sorry and then one more time Eton. The, the dial-in number is? <laughs> the dial-in number is 778-907-2071. And meeting ID 577-998-404. And if that's all a bit much, just remember 0200. You can phone the radio 935-0200 with your questions. But let's get those in early. And those of you who are on Zoom, um, you're welcome to either ask your questions directly or put them in the chat, either way. And then after our guest uh, goes on to the rest of her evening, I will offer just a few updates from over the course of the last week. And then after that, I've offered for our consideration and you've all bitten, so I'm hoping we'll have a bit of a discussion about uh, what are the, what's the silver lining in COVID? And I don't in any way mean to sugarcoat the fact that people are having, a lot of people are having a really hard time and I'll, I'll speak to a bit of that before we get into the conversation. But more importantly, I think than ever to really share with each other the, the sweetnesses. And I hear both individual, really personal stories about people finding sweetnesses in this time and, and collectively as a community. So just an, an offering to lean into that a little bit. Um, but before we go there, I'm just delighted to welcome Regina to the call. She is an information officer with the Residential Tenancy Branch. And uh, as anyone who's been privy to these calls knows that uh, there's a number of people who are trying to figure out the baseline residential tenancy laws, as well as how they've changed in these uh, extraordinary times of COVID. And both um, Roy Hales with Cortez Currents and myself did our best to give some of that proper information to you. And of course we botched some of it to some degree and then corrected things. Um, but mostly the question that I'm getting is people who have fixed term tenants, uh, fixed term leases that expire in the spring when landlords are wanting to come back, what happens now with that? And there's been a change certainly in the last couple of years to the, to the act. And so there's some people who aren't quite updated with the, with the new terms. So um, I guess Regina, if you wanted to just give us a, a high level update, knowing that we are very much a, a community that has a, a summer population, people that have leases often for eight or nine months of the year and then go and find something else for the summer and then come back into them. Given this kind of situation, what are the, the baseline laws and what are, you, what are the laws now in time of COVID? And then we can take questions after that. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having, having me over uh, on your town hall meeting. It is uh, quite exciting that we can connect like this over Zoom. Um, so at least COVID has made us uh, uh, very Zoom friendly. 
Um, I've done a few presentations lately with Zoom and it's, it's worked out really well. I've reached out to quite a few people. Um, so I would like to start with what's happening during COVID and what's more important to know right now. Um, and then we can go back into um, the legislation changes and stuff in a minute here as well. Um, so currently, uh, due to COVID, landlords cannot end any tenancies. There are no eviction notices. Um, there are no eviction notices available on our website at all. Um, they are not allowed, doesn't matter what the reasons are, except for if the tenancy is um, going to end because of exceptional circumstances. Exceptional circumstances, the examples of those would be um, vandalism to the property or th threat to the property or threat to people. Um, those are exceptional circumstances and those are those sort of evictions are still allowed. Um, they are um, uh, standalone applications for dispute resolution. Um, they, they will be considered on a one-on-one -on -one basis only. They don't really require any kind of eviction notices, so um, they can still go ahead because there's no eviction notices required in that, in that scenario. Landlord, um, can a landlord enforce an order of possession? No, none of the landlord's um, orders of possessions can be enforced at this point because the courts are not entertaining those sort of uh, order of possessions currently. Um, the courts are technically closed for those matters. So an enf um, enforcement of an order of possession will not be possible. Um, are writs of possession still um, um, enforced? Anything that was issued on or before March 30th um, cannot be enforced until this state of emergency is over. Um, so all of these changes came about um, around March 30th. So anything um, uh, after um, will, is not uh, something that they can evict for. Anything before, you won't be able to get a rid of possession. You can hold on to your order of possession for some time though. Um, rent increases is a big one. If the landlord um, is going to give a notice for a rent increase, they will not come into effect until the state of emergency is over. So anything that was issued, um, let's say if it was issued for the 1st of May, uh, that will not be come into effect until the state of emergency is over. Um, if you were to give one in May for June, July, August, and then effective September 1st, then we'll have to revisit the situation at that time because maybe by that time we'll be all out of this state of emergency and things will go back to normal. Um, but anything that was going to be effective May, June, um, so far they will not be um, enforceable right now. So the tenant will just pay the regular rent and when the emergency is lifted, they will pay the increased rent. Um, accessing the rental units, this is a very important one. Um, so the, in these cases, and it's not generally the case, that's not what the legislation requires, but in the case of COVID, in the case of emergency, tenant's consent is definitely required when you're trying to make any kind of repairs or you're trying to show this unit to prospective tenants or if you're hosting an open house you do require the land, uh, the tenant's consent in that. Um, the exception is if there's a risk to life or personal property, um, then you don't need to, which would be an emergency again, then you don't need to, uh, then you don't require the tenant's consent. Um, access to common areas, this comes up a lot. It applies to the tenants and the guests. Landlord must not prevent or interfere um, with the access to tenant's unit. However, they can reasonably restrict, restrict or schedule um, use of common and shared areas. For example, if there's bigger buildings, I'm not too sure how uh, big the buildings in on that island would be, but if there is a small laundry room um, service that's offered and it's like a fourplex and it's for four families or it's for a house, but it's a shared laundry facility, the landlord can reasonably restrict or schedule a common um, a use of a common area um, that is shared by uh, different uh, parties in the unit. So that definitely can be done um, during this time. Serving documents and applying for dispute resolution, you can still use the online portal if you're going to apply for a dispute resolution. You'll get the notice of hearing documents um, through us via email. You can upload the evidence online. So basically there is no human contact required if you're going to make an application for dispute resolution. Some service PC offices are currently open, but they are limited hours. You may want to go check with them uh, or check with them before going there. Just find out if, they're, if your local service PC office is open. Serving documents, in-person service is suspended, and that's just for the state of emergency. All other methods remain available, 
and email service is also now an option. So there is a director's order that goes with your documents and you can actually serve the documents um, by email currently during the state of emergency only. Um, we do have our website and our website gets updated every two weeks because the state of emergency gets extended every two weeks. And our uh, website is www.gov, as in government, gov.bc.ca forward slash landlord tenant. And that's where you can find all the information about uh, COVID-19, the legislation, any kind of changes uh, that may be um, coming up. COVID-19 is our, our main page right now. It's right um, on our main uh, page and it is highlighted. It's got a link of its own. If you get to our website, you'll be able to see um, that link. If you click on it, anything that is related to COVID-19 um, is there in big and bold um, on the top of our, um, our website. And it gets updated every two weeks. So it just got updated yesterday and the information is current on that right now for COVID. Excellent, thank you. So I'll, the, the question that I've been primarily getting and I'll just ask it and then we can drill down with anybody else's uh, queries is, um, so what I've come to understand in the last week or so is that there was a change a couple of years ago such that if a tenant wanted to come and reoccupy for some period of time, less than six months, that there's a separate form that needs to be filled out and there's a box E that needs to be signed by both the landlord and the tenant agreeing to this fixed term lease arrangement that has a, um, a, an end clause, if you will. So if somebody is in that situation and has agreed voluntarily, say back in September to move out May 1st or June 1st, and the, the landlord wants to come and reoccupy for two or three or four months in the summer, um, what should we do now in time of COVID? Um, so during the time of COVID, um, there is really no movement that should be happening. There shouldn't be a, a lot of movement in these places. However, again, it's the consent of the landlord or consent of the tenant. So if both parties agree, um, it's something that uh, it can be done. However, we recommend no movement at this point. Um, if you can't evict a tenant, you can't get an order of possession. So things will be um, very difficult if the tenant doesn't move or can't find a place of their own. Um, it'll be difficult to remove them from the property. Um, the changes that you were talking about, um, there was a change that came at the end of December 2017, where a fixed term tenancy could not have a move out clause unless the landlord was going to move into the property themselves. Um, so that change was a huge one that was brought up. Um, there's regulations um, that specify that. Uh, it's only for landlord use or a close family member um, that can occupy the unit. Uh, and it's it, it can't be a short-term occupying. It has to be uh, at least six months or more. And that is unless this separate form boxy is signed and consented by both parties. Is that correct? Uh, there is no separate form. It is right in the um, tenancy agreement. Um, this section was completely taken out. So there's no exceptions to the section. Um, Apologies, I don't have my notes in front of me, but what we, what I heard clearly and as did a reporter was that there is this box E on a separate form that if signed by both the tenant and the landlord does allow a fixed term tenancy to come to an end and allow the owner to reoccupy for any period of time shorter than six months. Are you saying that I'm incorrect in that? Do you know what form we're talking about? Because if there's, I mean, I don't see, I don't know about a form E. Um, there is a residential tenancy yeah. agreement, R, which is. It's the RTD1 form. That's RTV. So that would be residential tenancy branch number one. And that's the residential tenancy agreement. And are we talking section E on that? So having not actually looked at it, my apologies. Correct. It's okay. That's fine. I can answer that one though. Section E is at the end of this term, the tenancy is ended. The tenant must vacate the rental unit. The requirement is only permitted in circumstances prescribed under 
Section 13.1 of the Residential Tenancy Regulation, which specifies that it is for landlord use of property only. So that's how Maybe it ties landlord in. Landlord or close family member. Correct. Use it for less than six months. It doesn't if have, that, yeah, if it doesn't. Section E is consented to by both parties. It doesn't talk about six months or anything like that. So a practice that is commonplace here is that there will be a renter for say eight months and then the owner comes and reoccupies for four. Yeah. So is there a way of that continuing to be legal? Um, as long as both parties ag agree upon uh, those sort of situations or arrangements and there is no uh, misunderstanding, uh, that should be okay. Um, it's just that if it goes to arbitration, then the arbitrator will definitely make a decision based on um, what's in the act. And can a landlord then rent their property for say eight months of the year and then with the consent of the renter prior evict them and use it for short-term vacation rentals, not for their own use? No. 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 So the only way that I'm understanding legitimately to use your property for short-term vacation rentals is either to move out yourself or to not have had a tenant um, over the winter. Correct. Great. I'm, I'm so glad to, I think, have finally got a consistent answer to that. Thank you. So opening it up to anyone else on the call, uh, anyone on the radio, we are live on Cortez Community Radio 89.5 CKTZ. So you're welcome to phone in at 935-0200 and Aton will take your questions or anybody here in the chat, anything at all with regards to tenancy. Um, what I understood was that, um, how do I put it? If they had the prearranged um, agreement signed that the uh, landlord could move in for even a matter of dates and then turn around and rent it out, is that true? No, that's not. Even true. if they have that form and the boxy checked and all the rest of it? That's correct. It has to be for landlord use of property only. It can't be for um, a short term. It has to be a landlord use of property or a close family member that moves in. They can't just move in short term and then re-rent it. I think Sarah, another someone that we called said that there wasn't a time limit on how long the landlord had to be in. The reason I'm bringing this up and sticking on it is uh, we're getting heat on this question. <laughs> so, yeah, so can a landlord reoccupy for a number of weeks and then rent again with the consent of um, of the tenant, I suppose? Is that legal? So, are we, so the question would be, are we re-renting it to the same tenant back then or are we re-renting it to a brand new tenant then? Answer to both of those would be great, either way. Um, so if it's the same tenant in the same tenancy agreement and that's with the consent, it may be considered a mutual and that may work if it goes to arbitration. If it is going to be a different tenant and a different tenancy agreement and increase in rent, um, this may not be uh, in compliance with the act and it will have to be arbitrator's decision on that. So if somebody is in a position right now where they agreed to a eight month rental, they're supposed to be out in a month, they, they you know, both consented to this section E, um, they're being asked to leave now, they're not willing to leave because of COVID, um, but they, they do somehow go camp in the bush for a month so the owner can come back and then are not permitted to return in the fall, they could take that to arbitration. Correct. So in any circumstances, a landlord and a tenant can always sign a mutual end of tenancy agreement. And as the name suggests, mutual, which means both parties agree, um, they can sign that and that ends the tenancy completely. There are no, uh, you know, strings attached to that one. That's an end of tenancy. That's clear that both parties agree and we end it for whatever reason we end it. Uh, there's no reasons actually required either. So that would be the ideal way to do it. Um, if your uh, tenant is uh, in, uh, in agreement to end it at a, on a certain date and certain time, mutual end would be the way to go. Um, if you're doing this move out clause, um, any tenant can actually take you to arbitration for that and may be successful in just um, having the tenancy um, reinstated for them because this was something that has been changed for a few years now. 
And unfortunately, or I mean, depending on how you see it, um, because the rental market is so, so difficult to get into here, especially for year-round rentals, um, given the, the fluid nature of our housing market and the vacation rentals in the summer, that people, renters will often um, put themselves at a disadvantage, even if they know they're legally in the right, because they don't want to be labeled a bad renter. Right. Because it's so hard to find a new place. So I guess I just really ask everybody, especially in this time of COVID where people are in in many precarious situations, that we just be really kind with each other and allow as much latitude and clear communication as we possibly can. Roy, was that, um, did that, was there anything else you wanted to ask Regina? Regina? No, I think she said it, except it's not the same answer as Sarah, which I'm glad I'm not in either of those positions, renter or tenant. <laughs> okay, um, I see in the chat, um, somebody said, just so you know, uh, oh, that's not relevant. There was nothing in the chat of a question. Anyone else here who has a question? Well, you might have got off the hook really easy. Going once, going twice, anyone that wants to phone in, 9350200, you got about three or four seconds to do that. Uh, nobody here on the call that's got a question on behalf of a friend or... Okay, well, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, you're welcome, thank you. All the very pleasure back. speaking with you. Cheers. Thank you. Okay, well, that was far less painful than it could have been. I guess we've um, slowly getting to the bottom of that one. Just before I I launch into a couple of really brief updates, is there anybody else on the call that wanted to offer offer one? I see Desta and Mary are here and they have sometimes done so. If I'm not seeing them unmute themselves, I'm assuming not. Lella, I know you've been part of some calls. Okay, um, really I just had three things I wanted to share. One was, I guess two weeks ago now, uh, the topic of conversation was around how to see wellness as a community. And a few of those people who were on that call met again and asked that we that I host a call with all of the health and wellness practitioners on the island. And so I did that just on Friday, a few days ago, and it was really sweet. We had a couple of dozen practitioners, the whole gamut from mental health to body work to spirit work. Um, And it ended up being a call that was a little bit more of a mm, sort of a circle sharing amongst practitioners about, hey, where are you at? And where are your clients at and how are you, how are you experiencing this time of disruption? And, you know, some were busier than ever, especially the, the people working in mental health, others who were on hand, you know, hands-on body workers were completely out of work and couldn't see their clients. Some who worked between those modalities were finding ways of working online uh, in new ways that they have never done before, which was interesting and surprisingly effective. A couple people said, Uh, That group has committed to meeting again in a handful of days, and I believe we'll get toward the place that I've asked them to get to, reaching out to the community with some suggestions around seating health health and wellness, but they realized that internally there was certainly some value in just hearing from each other to begin with and creating a bit of a, a sense of of um, group, if you will. So they'll do that again. Uh, One thing they did want me to share though, is that they suggested that those people who have a meditation practice or would like to start dabbling in a meditation practice, that there are some people who are meditating every day at 8 p.m. And some people, apparently there's been scientific research, some people on the call said that even if 1% of a population meditates regularly and in as much possible in sync with each other, that statistical crime rates go down and all, all kinds of negative things go down and the, you know, the health and wellness of a community goes up and 1% of Cortez is only 10 people. So if there's more than 10 of you who are, who are called to sit for a few minutes at eight in the afternoon, or evening rather, 
um, that's something that you could do. And I think some of those practitioners are considering recording um, offering sort of little meditative offerings and perhaps we'll find a place where some of those recordings can go and you can select which one uh, most speaks to you. Of course, they're infinite online if you want to do that or literally just sitting in stillness, um, offering loving kindness to yourself and others. It doesn't have to be a really big practice, but just finding that internal, that internal place. So that was a really sweet group uh, that will continue to meet and I really thank this group for kicking that into, into beginning. Uh, the second thing is the annual grant and aid process through the regional district. Um, I've modified the process through which we're going to determine those allocations or the, the recommendations for allocations this year, which feels really great. I've been grappling for many years with how to make this a more democratic process. The pot is you know, modest as far as things go. It's $25,000 a year. Um, but has been really instrumental both in supporting some nonprofits and really core operational needs. Uh, very few other grants allow for the funds to go towards insurance and keeping the lights on. And then it's also acted as seed funds for organizations and initiatives to start up and, and get going in a really interesting way. Um, I see we've got one person in the waiting room. I'm assuming somebody's looking at that. Um, and for various reasons, politics at the board, but also at the regional district board, but also the real value of, especially in these times of COVID, coming together and developing group um, strategy, if you will, I wanted to offer, and I have offered, that whatever the nonprofit sector comes up with as a recommendation for the, the grant aid spending allocation this year, I will take that recommendation directly to the regional district board. And, and certainly hope that the board will follow through on that. So I'm inviting organizations to submit applications to me as, the, as they normally do, and those will immediately go on a, an online interface that um, I've got some help uh, pulling together. And then all the nonprofits can take a look at those proposals uh, on a project specific basis and find out perhaps there's some duplication or perhaps there's some partnership opportunities or some refinements. So then there'll be about a week period where organizations can offer comment, questions, modifications can be made. Then there'll be another call and the, the final pitch is put forward, if you will, and then a, a voting ranking system. And my commitment is to take that forward then to the, to the board. So my hope is a couple of fold in this, um, to, to build more unity in the nonprofit and social profit sector here on the island. I also really, really strongly believe that if we can build a a cohesive um, sort of prioritization plan, if you will, as much as we can for the community beyond our individual organizational um, scope, that funds and resources will rise to support that work. And so I'm hoping that this process, this participatory budgeting process can help kickstart a way of determining collectively what are our priorities are as a nonprofit sector and I believe that the Community Foundation and other private donors uh, may well want to um, uh, contribute more substantially if they know that there's a really thoughtful process behind where their funds will be allocated. And that leads then briefly into the, the third thing that I wanted to share. Uh, I participated and, and helped provide some context for a Zoom call that the community, Cortez Island Community Foundation hosted a few days ago with all the social profit sector. So that's the nonprofit organizations plus businesses that have a broad membership. Um, so the Natural Food Co-op, the Community Forest Co-op, the I think there's another one. So that social profit group had a, a large gathering in September that the foundation hosted. And this was a call sort of to follow up and, and sift out some of the priorities that are emerging, um, not only generally, but now acutely in these times of COVID. And I missed the end of the call, so I need to go back and get, get the update. But what I heard emerging uh, specifically was mental health in general, youth in particular, um, youth well-being, youth engagement, and youth meaningful participation in these community processes and then food security and there may well be a, a way of 
of having those things really mutually support each other. Now, I'm sure there are others that came up. Um, I got punted off the call at the end. Um, <clears throat> but I see that process of collective prioritization and the grant and aid process that I'm putting together with the assistance of others and others helping build this sort of sense of, of collective um, prioritization, if you will, of initiatives. So that just feels really good. It, it's a place of community pulling together in these times when so many other forces are pulling us apart. So just by way of introduction then, are there any other updates that anyone else wanted to offer here on the call from your either nonprofit or business sector? And I, I see that there's somebody waiting in the waiting room, but we don't have their name. If you give us your name, uh, we'll, we'll let you in. And so just so everyone knows who's listening on the radio as well, we're, we've no longer required that you register ahead of time for Zoom. We're really trying to democratize this. We're giving out the phone number now. You don't have to phone me to get the phone number. Those were efforts to try to, to limit what they call Zoom bombing, you know, people from who knows where coming in and sharing porn on Zoom or whatever it might be but really determine that participation <clears throat> and lowering the barriers to participation are way more important than um, sort of that protectionism. So, but we just do need to know your name before you join us so that we have some sense of um, uh, non-anonymity, if you will. So if you're listening on the radio, it's five o'clock, so I've been told at the top of the hour to do the call. You're on Cortez Community Radio, CKTZ 90. 89.5 FM, thanks to the radio for hosting this. And if you wanna call in with any uh, dis, um, thoughts that you wanna share in the discussion, it's 935-0200. Uh, so before we go into the uh, discussion portion, I've got both Desta who wants to offer some updates and possibly Bernice. Uh, Desta, go ahead. Hi, um, just a couple of things I wanted to give an update that I've still been working with Mary at the SCCA um, about the systems navigation piece. You can probably hear my family in the background there. Um, and so that proposal is ready to move forward. And we're just looking at, is there actually a true urgent need for this piece? So if people are out there and are not accessing um the government programs and all the rollouts that have been happening and need help to to navigate that please give the hall a call so i think it's 0015 um or email me cortez f as in family s for support c for coordinator um it just would be helpful to know what the real need is because it seems like a lot of people have already been accessing the CERB, CURB, CERB already. Um, so yeah, just it would be good to know where things are at with everybody out there. Um, and then the second piece is uh, the food bank. We have a generous donor who is giving $1,000 a month over the next three months. If we can give a fine, sorry, if we can find a matching donor. So if there's anyone out there who has an extra $1,000 a month over the next three months that would like to contribute it to the food bank, that would be greatly appreciated. It will help us put fresh local produce into uh, the food hampers that go out to um, people in need on the island. So those are my two updates. Thank you, Desta. And by way of follow-up to those two things, I know that you in your family support coordinator role have been able to do surveys to your families um, on various other issues. Would there be any value in putting out a survey to the island generally around um, the need to access the systems navigation piece? Would that be a more proactive way potentially of, of determining that need? Yeah, we could, we could do that. Um, and perhaps in consultation with the, you know, the seniors helping seniors and you know, augmented home support outreach, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've been working with Karina to put together a senior survey um, right. and we've been talking about sort of just broadening it and um, sending it out wider so so we could do that too. Great. And then question on the food bank um, contribution mm -hmm. to, to 
uh, match that thousand dollars a month do you need one single donor who is willing to contribute a thousand dollars a month or could that be multiple people who collectively um, are able to put together a thousand dollars a month i think that this donor would probably match it if it if it's um comes in from from various donations the you know cortesians are generous we have already received uh, i think close to 800 um since since the original call went out and so I'm sure this donor will match that but I think that this person was hoping to get um, to find one other person out there who could match that generosity uh-huh great so if you are a means and in a position of privilege at this time um, somebody else in that position is is uh, tapping you on the shoulder thank you so much Desta Thanks. and Bernice did you have something you wanted to share um, no, actually, it was a question, but it's quite relevant, I think, to what Desta was talking about. Um, the, the question was around the, the systems navigator and, um, and what's happening in terms of helping businesses access things. Is that part of the same navigation initiative or is that something different? I, I just you know, I encountered a, a business owner who was really have, struggling with access, you know, trying to figure out what to do. Um, and I, I sent them off to Adam, because I'm not sure. That is absolutely, you know, is, is what Dest is talking about. Yes, sending business people to the, the Cortez Community Economic Development Association and Adam is the coordinator is absolutely perfect. That is what they do and that is what they're gearing up to do better is support businesses. Um, so I, my understanding of the systems navigation was for individuals primarily, not businesses, although I'm sure there could be some overlap. Desta, did you have any other thoughts on that? Um, yeah, just to echo, Adam is definitely the one to talk to at CEDA and the, the grant that we were looking at submitting to the SRD was possibly gonna be sort of a joint initiative between CETA and the SCCA um, to sort of cover all aspects of, of the government rollouts. So for businesses, for individuals, both. Great, thank you so much. Um, and I forgot, Aton, you were gonna share just a little bit. Um, I got a, an email from somebody who was speaking to some of the things that have been boosting they, the, them up in these days. And one of those things that she shared was an email group that she's part of in her neighborhood uh, and Aton coordinates that. So I was just gonna ask Aton to share a little bit about how that got started, how it works and how other neighborhoods who might wanna follow suit might be able to do this, the same. Welcome Aton, thank you. Yeah, thanks Nova. Um, I'm just gonna share my screen. Uh, and uh, for those of you on Zoom, uh, you can see that I'm uh, taking you to a website uh, called cortez.groups.io. So this is a, a um, group email system that I set up for Cortez Islanders. So you can, if you have any kind of a group, doesn't matter what it is, uh, it's, it can be for your neighborhood, as uh, Nova was saying, uh, that um, uh, the uh, people all the, all the neighbors in Smelt Bay uh, have uh, joined an email list uh, to be in communication with each other. Um, the, uh, uh, there's uh, any number of, of subgroups can be uh, in this system uh, and you just have to uh, come to this page. Um, you can, uh, uh, there's a, at the bottom if you, if you go uh, explains what it what it is. Uh, it has links to how to use it. Uh, it's primarily like uh, people might be familiar with the the old term listserv. So you'd sign up to a listserv. There'd be one email address that you would send emails to or get emails from. Uh, you wouldn't have to maintain the list. People can join um, or unsubscribe at any time. Uh, and um, you don't have to manage a whole bunch of emails. So uh, this one is set up. So he, um, this one is set up so that it's its own little Cortez Island ecosystem. So there's a number of different subgroups. You can uh, 
as they as it gets populated you can uh, join any of the ones that you want uh, they can be configured so that you can uh, share the archives so all of the emails all of the threads uh, they can be through this web interface uh, there's a number of other features that can be that are available on this uh, for instance for a neighborhood you can set up a little database uh, it might be for emergency preparedness so that you neighbors can list the types of things that they'd be willing to share in case of an emergency be that generators uh, or, or whatever else it might be um, and uh, your there's a group calendar so there's a number of other features that uh, are part of this system and it's available to anybody who wants to organize a, a group around a neighborhood uh, around a project or idea i'm just going to pop over here and uh, show that there are some uh, lists already on here so there's the main uh, cortez connects group so everybody's in that one but that's announcement only and then you can um, create ones based on your neighborhood. So there's the Smelt Bay one, uh, there's um, the Death Caring Collective, uh, there's uh, Cortez families that are, are uh, there's a group set up ready to receive Cortez families that wanna be in communication with each other. Uh, and uh, so this is available, it's free of, of charge, just being provided to everyone. So. Uh, you're welcome to come to the website um, and you can uh, at the bottom it says who runs this thing you can send an email there and um, we can I can help uh, set up your um, your group so there you are that's it oh. Oh. just unmuting you Noba Thank you. Immediately thinking perhaps the group of health and wellness practitioners that I pulled together, that'd be a great way rather than me trying to <clears throat> continue and manage who's part of that, they can self-organize. Super. Um, so people don't need to be in touch with you necessarily directly. They can just go to Cortez.groups or... Yeah, uh, Cortez.groups.io. Uh, I'm just going to put that in the chat. So that's just Cortez.groups.io. So you go to that website, you can familiarize yourself with it and, uh, and there's, a, there's contact information that goes to me. So I'm happy to uh, help people set up uh, email groups based uh, on their affinity group, whatever that might be. Okay, thank you for that. <clears throat> um, the same person who emailed me with a number of things that are helping them get through, this being one of them, uh, another was online games that they were playing with friends and families across the country. And they told me where they were getting this. Of course, I wrote it down somewhere, not right in front of me. Um, but there's apparently, you know, you can play various kind of board games online with people anywhere. And this was a way of, they were finding of staying uh, connected and having fun in these, in these odd times. So just by way of seeding this discussion topic that I'm hoping you'll all be willing to uh, weigh in on a little bit. I do know that these are really, really tricky times for some people. Um, I've heard from a mental health practitioner here on the island that generally, not, not just on Cortez, but generally alcohol purchases are up by about 50%. That, you know, suicide rates are going up. That um, divorce filings are increasing. Uh, that um, domestic violence is on the rise. So these are really challenging times, especially for people who are already vulnerable and already compromised. And I don't in any way by this conversation mean to undermine that uh, or discount that. Um, the same mental health practitioner was, was sharing with me that a lot of her clients can't afford her services anymore because of their precarious financial situation or um, either uncertainty or just less funds coming in. And yet this is when people need it most. Uh, and that that's the case in, with a lot of her professionals, um, you know, in her professional networks across the country is that um, the, 
the client base is dropping off when we most need it because of people's financial insecurity. And she was asking, you know, is there some way for the government to fund um, mental health care uh, counseling for anybody who wants it at this time because it's such a critical time. So in the absence of that, uh, and knowing that, you know, suicide rates and all kinds of things that are really, really tough for people right now, knowing that, I invite us to share some of the things that we are um, finding, like the, the little Smelt Bay group or the online games, or what, what are the silver linings in this time for you? What, are you? what do you have the spaciousness or awareness to turn your attention to that maybe you didn't before? Uh, I've heard you know, an account of somebody who is actually getting a little bit more, more money through CERB than they were with their job. And so have been able to relax a little bit. Uh, others who are going into their gardens in a new way because they have time because they're not employed now and finding a whole new renewal in gardening that they had not found before. Um, others that are having more time with their kids in a really one-on-one -on -one kind of way out in the, in the garden and out in the, in the woods that maybe they hadn't quite made time in the busyness of their work worlds before and on and on and on. So I just invite us to share, if, if you would, either personally saying, hey, my name is and this is what's up for me, or you could share some story you've heard anonymously without attribution, or even at a collective level, what are you noticing at a community level that, um, that brings hope? Or what possibilities do you see emerging? What sort of shimmers on the edge of your consciousness do you see that this time might actually seed for greater um, collective well-being? That's about all I've got for an intro. And we've got uh, you know, a, a dozen or more really bright minds here. So I, I welcome your reflections. And anyone on the radio, on Cortez Community Radio, uh, 9350200, feel free to, to call in and, and offer your thoughts. And if nobody goes, I'm gonna call on Karen to start. Unless she stepped away from her computer. Basil unmuted himself, that's a good sign. Welcome Basil. Let, thanks, no, but let me start off. I mean, there's so much good news about this new world that we're entering into. The first one, and speaking, if I can, a little bit for Karen, if this continues for any length of time, we're going to make a massive improvement in climate change. Air pollution levels are dropping all around the world. Oil consumption is plummeting more than we could ever have hoped for from a climate perspective. So that alone is a dramatic and wonderful change in this new world. Thank you, Basil. That's so, so true. This is a, a time of breath for many winged, legged, furry creatures. I'd like to piggyback on that, Nova. Thank you, Basil. You, you put in a very large way what I was thinking of in a very small way. And, and just and that way, is simply... For people on the radio, this is Lella speaking. Yeah. Your name when you, when you start. Thank you. Oh, sorry, Lella speaking here. There was an expression I came across some decades ago that is very dear to my heart. Live simply so others may simply live. And we have by necessity come to live much more simply in these times of COVID without running around in our cars quite so much and in our airplanes and being still and thinking of things and doing things we haven't done before or haven't done enough of before. And it seems to me that what has brought us to this precipice, this state, is very much the galloping greed of the whole industrial revolution that's brought us here. And it's time to pause and think about what we need rather than what we want. I grew up in a much simpler world than the world we live in. We don't need all the things that we have. We need to live more simply. That's, that's the silver lining state of mind that I'm coming to more and more that I invite others to embrace. Thank you. Is, do you have any just small specific example of that in your own life in the last month? 
that you care to share? Oh, yes. <laughs> Certainly, I, I'm in the process of unpacking and, and occupying my new home. And I realized that I thought I had simplified my life a great deal when I left things behind. And I realized I need to simplify a great deal more. I don't need six cooking pots, I need three. So when the free store reopens, there'll be more things going to the free store, not only from me, but from others. Uh, you're certainly not the only one I've heard who's going through their whole house and sifting and sorting and pitching. And Thank you, Lella, for sharing. Mm -hmm. Anyone else? Uh, there's a, a note from someone here saying, I don't want to be on the radio, but I can offer this. I'm in education and our shift to remote teaching has made a lot of who maybe were complacent with an old mode reflect and improve on our teaching. The students seem to be responding too. I don't really think this would be possible without the intensive, without the incentive this horrible virus has provided. So from a teacher, thank you for that. Um, I'll share my, my husband tried to renew his auto insurance and did so by speaking to, you know, an auto insurance worker who was working at their home and they could hear the kid and the dog in the background. And, and they had this little side conversation about how sweet this was for the worker not to have to, you know, drive into work and sit in an office, but that in fact they could do their work from home just as effectively and would never have been given permission to do so before. So perhaps like, um, this person is writing in from a teaching perspective, maybe in many different professional modalities, we can find that we can do things in a, in a simpler way that involves less travel and less storefront space uh, and more flexibility in our lives and more spaciousness and still gets the job done. So thank you so much uh, for sharing that from a teaching perspective. Anyone else? Maybe if I could go again, no, but this is Basil. I mean, it also strikes me how incredibly lucky we are here on Cortez Island. I debated whether I want to say this because I'm worried that the word might spread beyond Cortez and other people will realize, but compared to other places in the world, <laughs> almost everywhere else in the world, we are so lucky. Now, I have um, friends that I often speak with uh, on Zoom who live in places like New York and Los Angeles in great high rises who, when they're in the same, we're in their mode that we're in right now, have to get into an elevator, first of all, just to get out of their houses, which creates all kinds of anxiety because there's all kinds of other people crammed into a little space. You can't even ride in an elevator with a six foot separation. And they haven't got the types of things that we have here where we can walk outside and find a common area in a beautiful forest. We can go down to the, dock and buy fish from the fellow who just sailed his fishing boat down from Cape Scott. There's lots of food here. There's even lots of work here. You know, I was expecting that when this started that there'd be people here on Cortez looking for work because of the shutdown of the tourism and the restaurant industries elsewhere. But it's actually kind of the opposite. You know, we're finding that there's even less people now looking for work because of the CRB from the government. Everybody's quite fine here. We don't have a crisis. Our quality of life is wonderful. Our standard of living is higher than in 99.9% .9 of places. You know, we're kind of the one percenters of life quality now here on Cortez. But I think we should just keep that quiet so we don't have a population explosion. Well, no doubt when people are allowed to move again, there will be a lot of people considering living more rurally, um, you know, Cortez or other places. And I, I very much concur that I feel like one of the most privileged people on the planet in that I can go outside and into my garden and on the beaches and walks, socially appropriate distant walks with friends and uh, my life is not massively impacted and I'm not surrounded by people who are freaking out. Um, yeah, thank you for that, Basil. Anyone else? 
this is what radio hates. Well, we can certainly end things off early. I have no need to, to drag this through uh, to six o'clock if we don't need to go there. Um, just to follow up on our meeting of last week, we were talking um, about two things, housing and then I don't, I don't really have great words for it, but something like labor force redirect. And that's this notion that there are a lot of people now who um, aren't employed in the things that they were expecting to be employed in or normally were employed in. And some of whom have some CERB funds and other funds. And um, were there things that we could be redirecting our individual and collective attention to and, and time? And some of the nonprofit reps on the call were suggesting some community priority projects. and. And that's something that I took on to the Cortez Island Foundation call as well. And we'll continue to seed when we get into the grant and aid discussions with the nonprofit sector. And, and so as um, community priorities bubble up and perhaps there are people who find themselves with a little bit of extra time to contribute these days. And wouldn't that be wonderful if some of that went to your own individual lives, into your gardens, into your meditation practices, uh, to your neighbors, to your dear family. And then if there's any energy left over to community projects would be just fantastic as well. Um, I welcome, just before we close then, I would welcome any thoughts for, for future meetings. Um, there are some of you that certainly keep coming out every week and see this of value. I increasingly get emails and phone calls from people who listen on the radio or um, afterwards, listen to the link online afterward. I, I got a call from somebody today who isn't online and at all and is so grateful, you know, tunes in on the radio to, to listen and lives alone and is having a hard time. So just really shout out to those of you listening on Cortez Community Radio. Um, but really welcome your thoughts about uh, future topics for discussion. Somebody said, you know, they're getting a little bit repetitive. You've got the same people giving the same updates every week and let's not do that forever. So uh, offer, offer space for whatever this might want to morph into. Um, or we can not carry on, but it seems like certainly of growing value to a number of you. So you can either do that now or you can email or call me anytime. I'm mostly around. Any concluding words from anyone? Well, I'd just like to say thank you, Nova, for hosting this. It's a wonderful opportunity to share. Thank you. Sure. So my commitment in the, the week to come is to continue to connect with the, the folks from the Community Foundation, the nonprofit world there continue to connect with the, the nonprofit through the grant and aid. Um, I'm, I'm curious around the youth. It was one of the major priorities that came up on the community foundation call is how to really meaningfully engage, not just make busy our youth, the youth here. And somebody said, and you know, I had I'd known it, but I hadn't really put it together, is that everybody is home right now. Like every high school student, so many university students who are, you know, are back home because the university got canceled. So the youth of the island are here in a way that they rarely are, as are their parents who aren't doing the shuffle back and forth between communities. And if there is a way of truly engaging in some meaningful way, you know, the under 30s or whatever we consider youth on this island to be, um, it might be a really sweet time. So I do know that um, Cortez Literacy and the Family Support Coordinator and others are, are really taking a think of, on that from a, a nonprofit perspective. But if there are any parents out there listening or youth yourselves out there listening who have some ideas about how to really put your perspectives in the center in these remarkable times of climate change and pandemic, what do we need to be hearing from you and how do we be amending our community ways and practices and decision-making practices and communication structures for this new era that we're moving into. And I think that those of you who are younger than me, who still seems to be the youth amongst many circles, have so much wisdom and insight into the world that we're moving into. And I, I really do want to find a way of, of bringing that voice more to the fore. Um, so we don't have a registration process anymore. There's a phone number you can phone into. 
please do let your friends and neighbors know that this is a valuable thing because many of you have been coming every week for five weeks. So thank you for your dedication. And I trust we'll see many of you next week for round six. Unless there's any final thoughts, I think that's a wrap. Thank you, Aton, for taking us onto the radio. And thanks, Roy, for your articles every week that come out from this. And thank you to the rest of you for joining us. Mm -hmm. Blessings. Thank you. assuming we're not on the radio anymore and there's a few of you that are hanging on if you wanted to share anything in a non-recorded kind of private space you're welcome to do that I'm just scanning through the chat to see if there was anything that I missed um...